All right, Brother Jonathan, come on up and uh, share with us what God's laid on your heart. We appreciate and honored to have this family. Introduce your family, and uh, we thank God uh, for this opportunity. Pray for Miss Emily. She's teaching the preschoolers, and Miss uh, Corley is teaching first through fifth right now. So we've got three classes going, and we just started Sunday school last Sunday, so this is a good start. Amen. God bless you, brother. Make yourself home. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. How are we doing, church? Everybody awake this morning? Okay, praise the Lord. It is a blessing to be with you folks, and uh, I am Jonathan Anderson, my better half. Uh, my wife, she'll wave at everybody, Rebecca, and everybody wave back at her. Praise the Lord. And we've got five children. We've got our baby in here with us, Skyla, she's two. And then we've got Victor, Ryan, and then we've got uh, Emma and Hannah, our two girls. Uh, that is nine, eight, seven. Four and two. So praise the Lord. We are uh, blessed. God has been so good to us. Four of the five were born on the mission field. So we have four Mexican passports in our home. And uh, so God's been good. I, I joke about it. We have more Mexicans than Americans in our house. But uh, <laughs> praise the Lord. It's a blessing. You know, you have a different type of situation when you live on the mission field, when your children grow up on the mission field and you go through different things. But uh, we love it. We love being on the mission field. We, we really do enjoy the mission field. It's not a struggle. It's not something that uh, <clears throat> we're not sitting there thinking about uh, all the day when we get to go back to the U.S. to, as, what they, as they call in Mexico, Gringolandia. Uh, you know, it's, we get to be there. That's home for us. That's home. My wife, she grew up in Mexico, and um, she was a missionary daughter. Her father was Gary or is Gary Ellison. Uh, he's out serving in Texas. He's there over at Mission Board in Texas, training uh, Latinos, uh, Hispanics, uh, to be missionaries. And so uh, he spent six years in Mexico City. So she arrived there as a 10-year-old and then came back to the U.S., uh, back to Georgia uh, when she was about 16. So she grew up for six years of her life, learned the language, and then when I asked her to marry me and go back, she was way ahead of me. <clears throat> but praise the Lord, that was a blessing. That was a blessing because you get to, you, you get to uh, kind of play catch up and your wife doesn't have to go out and do the language classes with children. She was able to really just be a blessing. And so I, I really, uh, really just was grateful for that. And then in 2014, after arriving to the field in 2012, we uh, went to Toluca. And then there in Toluca in 2014 on the uh, first week, the 4th of, of May, we started New Life Baptist Church. Um, New Life Baptist Church was birthed, and what started out with 28 people on that Sunday morning, which was a blessing. We you know, had been going and handing out invitations for about five, six weeks straight. 28 people came out. I remember at the top of the hour, I was sitting there waiting on uh, people to come, and no one was there. And then I realized I was in Mexico, and everybody's late, so... Uh, praise the Lord, a few minutes later, everybody showed up. But uh, 28 people came out, and we were able to see uh, what God was going to do on just a small scale there in that first service. Alfredo, Maria Elena, they were there. It was their first service, obviously. He had a store right next to the storefront that we rented for the building. And uh, our, our storefront for the church probably could have fit maybe 25 chairs. Uh, it, but before that, it was a place where they sold food. And we rented it, and we put a church in there. Amen. And right next door was Alfredo. And he asked me, I was sweeping on Saturday, 
uh, right before we started the church, the first service, and he showed up. He said, uh, are you having a church here? I said, yes, sir. I said, we're going to start a church, and we're starting tomorrow. He said, what time? I said, we're going to start at 12 o'clock noon. That'll be our first service, and then we'll go to a normal uh, time after that. And he said, well, I'm going to come. I'm going to close my store down. I'm going to bring my wife. Now, I didn't know Alfredo. I didn't know anything about him. I didn't know anything about his marriage. But come to find out, he had been married for 39 years. 39 years. And can you imagine 39 years without Christ in your marriage? Those of us that have Christ in our marriage have a hard enough time. Amen. If we're going to be honest this morning. But you know what? 39 years without Christ. And somehow they were still sticking it out. And he showed up, and his wife really didn't want to be there that morning. She was going kind of because he really wanted her to go. He felt as if it was a last chance effort for his marriage. He had already gone through the Catholic Church and tried different things. He had already gone to a retreat that the Catholic Church had for men with problems and alcohol and different things. Alfredo was a drunk. Alfredo was with different women and was not faithful to his wife. And that's his testimony. He'll tell you that if he was standing here. But Alfredo had a messed up life. So did his wife. She had hate in her heart. She had bitterness in her heart. She had a lot of other things that shouldn't be in her heart. And you know, they came to church and I preached the gospel. And for the first time, they're in their 60s, 39 years married, they heard the gospel. For the first time. For the first time. They came back the next week. And they came back the next Sunday. And the next Sunday, they kept coming back. You know what? One morning I pre- uh, was preaching on the reality of heaven and the reality of hell, and they both got saved. They both got saved. Uh, shortly after that, I told Alfredo, I said, well, why don't we study the Bible together? And he said, uh, well, I don't know if I have enough time. So what time do you work? And he said, well, I work in the morning, and I work in the afternoon, and I work at night. I said, well, what time do you get off at work at night? He said, about 9.30. I'll close my store down. And I said, can somebody cover for you? He said, no, just my wife and I do the store. I said, well, just come to my house at 10 o'clock at night. And we, he brought the sweet bread, I had the coffee, and we started studying the Bible at 10 o'clock at night on Thursdays. And we just decided, you know what, we're going to pay the price. He looks like he wants to study, he wants to grow, let's pay the price, let's do what we got to do. And we studied with them from 10 o'clock to midnight, sometimes, sometimes to 1 in the morning, they'd be there. And we'd just be studying the Bible. And you know, I was tired, my wife was tired, but we were absolutely in love with the work of God. And that's the way it should be. We were loving it. I mean, uh, one of the things that uh, Pastor Gardner always tells me is, make sure you're having a good time. <laughs> make sure you're having a good time. You're blessed. You're blessed to be doing what you're doing. And uh, so they begin to grow. I remember one day she, she was, Maria Elena was having a hard time, and she was thinking back on all the different things that had happened in their marriage. And she told me one day, she said, Pastor, I, I don't know if I can forgive my husband for all of these things. She had a lot of bitterness, a lot of unforgiveness. And I gave her some verses on forgiveness and how we should forgive others because Christ has forgiven us. And I remember one day, her daughter Alma called us up. She said, would you come over to our house? She was there with her husband, Diego. She says, my mom and dad, don't, I don't think they're going to make it. My mom's just done. She's frustrated. She doesn't want to be with my dad anymore. 
And I said, Alma, listen, God is working. God is working. That's the Holy Spirit. I said, I'm going to come over to the house with you guys, and let's pray for him. So I was supposed to study with Maria Elena and, and Alfredo in my house. They didn't show up because of the problems. They were just frustrated. I went to, to Diego's house, his son-in-law's house, and we just prayed for him. Little did I know, about an hour later, they came walking into the house. Alfredo was there and Maria Elena. They didn't know I was there. I didn't know they were coming. I told them to sit down at the table. I said, come sit down. I said, let's talk. And she sat on one side of the table. He sat on the other. And I looked at Maria Elena. I said, listen, he does not forgive. He does not deserve your forgiveness. And she was like, I said, but nor do you deserve the forgiveness of your God. And you know, she began to cry and said, you know, Maria Elena, it would be good if you would ask God for his help. His help to forgive your husband. Because you can't do it. Your love can't do that. You can't do that. She began to pray there. She finished. She looked up at me and she looked up at her husband and she said these words. I forgive you. I'm sitting there that night in their house and I'm just like, whoo, what just happened? I mean, talk about God working. It was amazing, church. Can I say to you now, they've been married for over 46 years. They're still together. They're still holding hands. That is what the gospel can do when it gets into the life of someone. When it changes somebody, the gospel is powerful. It can do the work, church. Amen. Why are we doubting what the gospel can do, church? Why have, we, why have we taken the gospel down to be something that is only for some people or some other thing? No, no, the gospel is good news and the gospel is powerful and the gospel can change lives. And it did. I told you a little bit about Diego. That's the son-in-law. I remember uh, I kind of skipped there because from the time that Alfredo came to the church to the time that Alfredo and Maria Elena got their marriage right, Diego got saved during that time. I remember Alfredo would go over to Diego's house after, after uh, church for lunch, and he would tell Diego about this white American preacher. That was me. And he would tell him all the different things that I was teaching and preaching at church. And Diego wouldn't say anything until after he left. And then he would tell his wife, Alma, why won't he shut up about that white guy? And he was tired of it. You know, you know what God was doing, right? God was working in Diego's heart. God was using what Alfredo was saying to Diego. And when I was praying for Diego, they told me about Diego. And one night, I went out and got some tacos. Because that's what you do in Mexico and get some tacos. Saturday night, I went up about 10 o'clock at night. That's when they're the best. And I got tacos, and guess who was there? Diego. I looked at him, and I knew. You know those moments when God's like, hello. I saw Diego, and I'm like, okay, God. I walked up to him, and I said, hey, Diego. He knew, he knew who I was. I was that white American preacher. There wasn't many white Americans in that area. I said, Diego, I want to invite you to church tomorrow. We're going to have a special service celebrating the birth of Christ. I said, and tomorrow night we're going to have a dinner. Would you come? 
He looked at me. He said, I think so. You know, I felt in that moment as if, you know, you think about the story of Esther when she went before the king. And it says in that passage, the king saw that Esther had found grace in his sight. That's an interesting way of saying it. I think that, that night, Diego's sitting there listening to me, and in his flesh, he's thinking, this white American, I just wish he'd leave my family alone. But God worked in his heart. And Diego said, yes. That next Sunday morning, Diego came to church. He heard the message, and afterwards, I was talking to him, and Diego said, whatever you're talking about, I think that's what I need in my life. Both of Diego's parents are devout Catholics. Both are deacons in the Catholic Church. So Diego has had a lot of bad run-ins with religion, if I can put it that way. Diego said, yes, he came. And I told him after church that evening, he came back for the supper and everything, the dinner that night. I said, Diego, would you like to study the Bible with me? And Diego said, sure. I said, okay, I'll see you Tuesday night at my house. So I start filling up my days with the different discipleship. He showed up Tuesday night, first Tuesday night. He was on the couch, and we were going through the discipleship. And, you know, you're, 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 you're hightailing it to the gospel, everything he asked, all the questions and everything I talked about, gospel, gospel, gospel. The second Tuesday night, I'm standing there. He's sitting on the couch with his wife, and my wife's sitting over here to my right. And I'm, and I'm just going through verse after verse, and I'm sharing my testimony, how God's changed my life. And I'm going through all of this. And all of a sudden, he stopped me, and he said, that's enough. I said, what do you mean that's enough? He said, I'm convinced. I said, what are you convinced about? He said, I'm convinced. I need what you're talking about. That's it. I'm, I'm, you don't have to convince me anymore. He said, but what do I do? I said, you just talk to God. Tell him what you're convinced about. He didn't shut his eyes. He didn't bow his head. He looked straight up. <laughs> he just started talking to God. Simple prayer, sweet prayer. And Diego got saved right there on my couch. We were giving our table to one of the, the pastor of our second church when we were leaving to come back on furlough. And I told the brother, I said, now brother, I want, you to, I want to tell you something about this table. I said, this is a special table. I said, there are some tears on this table. I said, there have been hundreds of hours of discipleship on this table. I said, this is a special table. I said, there's a lot of, there's been changed lives right here at this table. Amen, church. Can I ask you a question this morning? Maybe God wants to use your kitchen table. Maybe God wants to use your life to see someone else's life changed. Someone else with a life that will forever be changed because of the gospel. Because of the gospel. Let's give up the idea that we can change lives. We can't. But we have him who can. After seeing God do a work through discipleship and people growing, I started the Bible seminary, which at that time was just a simple Bible institute in 2015. Then from there we were praying. In 2016, I took some of the men we were training and we went up to an area called Lerma. We drove around and we ate tacos. That's what you do. And we drove around, and we, we were praying over this area. And I, and I told the guys, I said, listen, I said, there's no church in this area. 
I said, who's going to reach these people? And they've got a burden, and they started praying, and one day I introduced it to the men of the church, early 2017. I said, man, I think it's time that we start another church. They said, okay, where? I said, well, you know, we've been praying for Ledham over here. It's about 15 minutes away. And in 15 minutes, it's more like 30 minutes, 35 minutes, because most people walk. And uh, he said, the church, the men said, well, yeah, I, we're for it. I said, well, guess what, church? I said, we've got the money. So let's cough it up. Let's do it. And they put about 10,000 pesos together that, were, that we had at the church. And the church, the first church plant, New Life Baptist Church, funded the start of Living Water Baptist Church. They, helped, they bought the pulpit. They bought the first 15 chairs. They paid for the rent. They paid for the deposit. And they, and lots of them showed up. On the 23rd of April, 2017, we started Living Water Baptist Church. And we had 60 people, 6-0, 60 people there. It was really a place for about 35 people. So we had people just piling out the back. They were on the street looking in. I had the children's class out on the sidewalk. We just made it a class because there was no other space. And, you know, I was preaching that morning, and I'm looking out, and you know who was sitting there? Alfredo, Maria Elena. And I was thinking, whew, God, you changed their life. Amen. And I'm looking, there's Diego. God, you changed his life. And I'm preaching the gospel, and there's people that I'd never seen in my life there for the first time in that area. And they showed up, and I'm preaching the gospel to them, and I'm thinking, this is it. This is what it's all about. Amen. This is it. This is what's fulfilling. This is what life is all about. Sure. Living for eternity. That was a, a moment I'll never forget. To think that God started one church, saved people, and then those people helped start a second church. <laughs> church. God's not looking for a special person. He's not looking for smart people. He's just looking for somebody who says, I'm willing. We uh, currently have Manuel, Meliano, Samuel. Those are three young men in their 20s. They've finished with their uh, Bible college, seminary. They've finished with 128 credit hours. And uh, they're there in the work at the first church plant. At our second church, I was able to go back. Before we came back for furlough, I ordained uh, Jesus Castaneda. And he's another man that went through our training, ordained him into the gospel ministry. Special time church. That was the first time I got to ordain a man. Uh, gave him a sword. Uh, gave him a Bible. Just a super sweet moment. They're on the mission field. Ordained him to the gospel ministry, and when we came back, I told him, you know, I, I said, you get me eight to, 12, uh, eight to ten men in this church when I come back to visit, and we'll organize the church. And he said, okay, pastor. And we went back. I went back uh, last November, and uh, I said, uh, how's it going? He said, good. I said, listen, how, how's it going with the men? So we've got this guy and this guy. He's kind of young, but he's faithful. And he, I said, I said, I said, okay, let's organize it. <laughs> so we organized the church in November of 2019. So God has given us a man. We've organized the church. We've turned it over. The second church plant. 
You have to say something to your church. This is what it's about. Amen. This is what it's about, church. There are so many things that are around us and, 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 and can be distracting, but it really is about the gospel. It really is about starting churches and going forward and seeing lives changed. I love the mission field. I, I, I just love the mission field because you get to go and you just focus on souls and you focus on discipleship and you focus on training men and you're just geared in. You're laser focused on what God wants for you. It's an awesome thing. You can work 50, 60 hours a week and you don't even realize it. That's why I have to put my wife on my schedule so I don't forget about her. Amen. your wife and your children on your schedule. It's a good idea. God has done amazing things. We started that church, praise the Lord. Now, it started in 2017. Today, it's a church that's on its own going forward. I don't give any finances at all to that church. God's blessed. We're, we'd love to get them a building, at least a piece of property. We're praying about that. We do it for about fifteen dollars or $20,000 in that area. Super cheap. God's working. God's working. Uh, we had the opportunity in 2018 as well to go take a trip to Cuba. And I was able to meet a young man named Enrique. And Enrique uh, is a super young man. He is focused. He is on fire. And I realized quickly that he was my key to reach Cuba. You know, I can't go to Cuba. I can't stay in Cuba. I'm an American, and things aren't real well between us and Cuba, it seems. But you know what? I've got a young man on the ground. Long story short, we're able to go. I've been three times now, spent lots of time with him, and we are able to ordain him into the ministry. I had another Mexican missionary who had spent even more time with him before me, and so between the Mexican missionary and myself, we ordained him into the gospel ministry. God's done wonderful things. He's starting a church there, he's training men, and I plan on going at least twice, three times a year if I can to Cuba for about a week at a time to train men. You say, Why are you doing all that? Because Jesus is coming back. Amen. Jesus is coming back, church. And I don't want to just be sitting there waiting on him. I want to be found faithful. I would love nothing more than be preaching and him come back for me. I would love nothing more than me to be discipling somebody and him come back for me. Let's be found faithful, church. Let's, let's decide that, that it's worth it. The price that we will pay is worth it. Amen. Because it is a price you must pay. They are in the playoffs right now in baseball. If you're a baseball person, and you're going to pay a price if you're going to go to a game. You're going to have to get on an airplane, if you go see your home team, all the way out in, I guess it's in Texas or California, and you have to pay for the ticket to get in the stadium, and people do it. They'll fill the stadium up as much as they'll allow them. Because they're willing to what? Pay the price. Can I ask you a question this morning? Are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to pay the price, church, to get the gospel to go forward? The Bible says, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, if you've got your Bibles with you this morning, I want to transition to this a little bit with the time remaining. I'll try not to steal Brother Kevin Hall's messages. But Matthew chapter 6, listen what it says, church. It says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. 
think, think about that. If we, you know, I've heard this verse hundreds of times. You've heard this verse. If you've been in church for any amount of time, you've heard this verse quite a bit. But it says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. Think about that for a second, church. It does not say to have a good balance between laying up for yourselves treasures on earth and treasures in heaven. It doesn't say that. It actually says don't do it. It says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. It doesn't ask, you say, we're in a new generation. Everything's got to balance out. As long as I give enough to the church and I can spend this much over here on myself, I can spoil myself over here. Man, I just got to make sure I balance it all out. And then I can, I, that, then I won't feel bad about living and investing in earthly things. I just got to make sure I balance it all out. Got to make sure. My, or is that, is that really the Holy Spirit working in our lives? Is that the Word of God talking to us? Or is that us trying to reason things because of our flesh? It says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Why do you say, why not? Well, it tells you why not. It says, where moth and rust doth corrupt. You've seen clothes that are moth-eaten, right? You don't want to wear those. Moth-eaten clothes. Moth and rust doth corrupt. What happens to a, a car that's left in the rain and then the sun and the rain and the sun and the rain? It's rusting. It, it, it's, it's something that's going to disintegrate over time, church. Rust and doth, doth corrupt and, and where thieves break through and steal. Can I tell you something about Mexico? Do not leave your electronics in the car. Not a good idea. I've had telephones. I've had computers stolen. They've broken my window without thinking twice. They've got, uh, they've, got a, um, they've got some sort of a, uh, a machine or a device. They walk down next to the cars in the parking lots. And if it beeps, they know there's, an there's, a, there's a battery in there, which is most likely a computer or a telephone. They know exactly where it's at. They break that window, reach in, grab it, and they're gone. They literally can do it in 10 seconds. So is it, is it a good idea to leave electronics in my car in Mexico? I don't think so. Is it a good idea to put your treasures on earth? No. Where thieves break through and steal. Do, do you really want to put all your treasures in, a, in an uncertain place, church? Do you really want to put your treasures in a place where one day they're just going to disappear and be gone? You're, you, we can't take everything to heaven with us, church. We, we, we must not live for the things of this earth. Amen. says verse 20, But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. That's a safe place. You can, you, can not, you can mark it down, church. You can lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven and it'll be there when you get there. It'll go on before you. You're going to one day go to heaven. You're going to see souls saved. You're going to see what God has done with a life that was completely given to him. The next verse is interesting because it says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Think about that. Where, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I talk to young men quite often, and I've been blessed to teach in the training center there at Vision. And I tell them constantly, where your heart is today, where your treasure is today, where your thoughts are today, where your passion is today, that's where your heart is tomorrow. 
You mark it down. One man, young man said to me, I just don't know how I can have a heart for God. I'd like to have a heart for God. I just don't have a heart for God. I'm not passionate about spiritual things. And I said, that's because you're not thinking right, young man. Get your heart right. You'll get your heart right. You get your mind right. And you start thinking about godly things. Start meditating on the word of God. And you'll get a heart for the things of God. And God begins to change your desires and your heart. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be awesome. Church, let me ask you a question. What makes you tick? What gets you up in the morning? What drives you? What drives you? What is it that, that, that eats your lunch? What are you truly passionate about? Where do you find your thoughts going to constantly? That's your passion. That's where your heart is. That's where your heart is. You say, no, 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 that's not where my heart is. Well, you mark it down, it'll be there soon. It'll be there soon. Look what it says here, going a little further down in the passage, church. It says, no man can serve two masters. Verse 24. For either he will hate the one and love the other, and, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Church, can I say something for this morning to you? You cannot live for God and eternal things and at the same time live for the things of this earth. You can't do both. We try. We fight that battle, but the Bible calls us a double-minded man. And it says we are unstable in all our ways. We must decide that we're going to live a spiritual life with our mind set on him. We're going to meditate on him and his word. We're going to renew our mind every day that we might know his will for our lives. Mm. You can't serve God and mammon. You'll, you'll love one, you'll cling to one, and you'll despise you know, you know what that means, church? It means you're either going to despise the things of this earth compared to your love for God, or you'll end up despising God in comparison to the love you have for the things of this earth. That's what happens. We have to take our heart under control and say, God, I want to guard my heart. I want to be careful with what I let in. I got to be careful. Because your desires, your desires are a result of that. Look, it says down here, church. It says, take no thought, or therefore, saying to yourself, take no thought for your life. For it, the next verse, 25. What you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on is not the life. This life, church, more than meat and the body than raiment. Is that what it's all about for us? Is it really just the here and now? Is it really what we're going to eat for lunch? Is it really just what I'm going to buy next at the store so that I can impress people with my raiment and my reputation and make sure that everybody likes me and make sure that everybody looks at me in a certain way and talks good about me? Is that really what it's about? Is it really just about earthly things that are here today and gone tomorrow? No. 
You see, it says in the next verse, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap. Nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father, your heavenly Father, my heavenly Father, feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? You know what it's saying? It's saying you're not an animal. Amen. It's a good evolution verse. You're not an animal. I'm God's creation. He created me with a purpose. He has a plan for me. He's my heavenly Father. And He will take care of me. You know, I think one of our biggest problems when it comes to the gospel church, we don't get the gospel around the world because we're so concerned and consumed with how we are going to make everything work out. And we're distracted from the most important thing because we have decided not to trust God to take care of us. We have decided that we will make sure that we're okay. And instead of realizing the Bible says, God, if he takes care of the fowls of the air, don't you know he'll take care of you? Look what it says. Verse 28, for the sake of time, and why take ye thought for the raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow and they, to they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon, all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. That's your heavenly father. That's his good work. That's how he does things. He does things well. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, verse 30, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? That's the part that hurts. Right? If God takes care of the temporal things, the things that are here today and gone tomorrow, don't you think that he'll take care of you? Oh, ye of little faith. What is it saying, church? Why won't we just trust him? Why don't we just jump all in and just trust him today? Why don't we decide that he's a good father today? Why don't we decide that he will go before us and he is going before us and he will, he does know what's going to happen tomorrow. He's a good father, church. Let's just go ahead and get that out of the way so we can focus on the gospel. Amen. So that's what we should be focusing on. Therefore, take no thought, verse 31, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or Wherewithal shall we be clothed? Isn't that what the world acts like? That's what it says in the next verse, doesn't it? Verse, look what it says in verse 32. Isn't it amazing? The Bible is the best natural outline of itself. You, there's no better outline than the Bible itself. Verse 32 says, For after all these things do the what? The Gentiles seek. Those would be lost people. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. He knows what you need. He knows what you need. Why are we letting that consume us? Why are we letting worry consume us, church? Why are we letting that eat our lunch? Instead of getting our mind right, getting focused on what we should be focusing on, and going forward for him because we know the Father that we have. We're saved. We have hope. We have a loving Father. You see, the next verse, you all know very well. I know it very well. 
this is the context of that verse. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Could I just beg with you for a few moments? Please decide today that you'll trust him. Please decide today that he's a good father. Please decide today that he will go before you and is going before you, and he knows what you need before you ask. Let's trust him. Let's, let's quit worrying about the temporal things. Let's quit worrying about today and tomorrow. Let's put it in his hands. Let's go forward for him. Let's keep our focus where it should be on the gospel. And I can guarantee you there will be a good outcome. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. All these things, clothes, raiment, money that you need, food, drink, all those things. You say, well, I, but I'm supposed to be responsible. You are, but you're not supposed to worry about it. Amen. But, 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 but what about this over here in this situation? And, and preacher, if you just knew what I was going to be facing tomorrow, you don't know what you're going to be facing tomorrow. Why are you so worried about it? Look what it says quickly, 34. Take their, no, therefore, therefore, no thought for the morrow. That's tomorrow, right? For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the days the evil thereof. What does it say in church? Listen, we've got enough to trust God with today. He's asking us to do things today. He's asking us to follow him today. He's asking us to be faithful to him today. Let's just do what we're supposed to do today. Let's not worry about tomorrow and let that eat our lunch so that we don't do what he wants today because we're so worried about the future when we don't even know really what the future holds because we can't see tomorrow. Let's just trust him. You don't find a man on fire getting the gospel all around the world that doesn't trust God. We must trust Him and decide that there's one thing that should absolutely be our passion, and that is the gospel. Amen. Keep things in their place. We need things, sure. Pray to God and ask Him for it if you need it. But know that He's a good Father. Trust Him today. Go to him today with confidence that he will be with you. I'll leave you with this. I mentioned the story of Esther. Long story short, she ends up going before the king. He, found, he saw that she found favor in his sight. He held out the golden scepter. She drew herself closer and she put her hand on the tip of it. She, he said, I'll, I'll give you half of the kingdom. Do you know that before she went into that situation, she had already prepared a banquet? Because she decided that she was going to trust God. Esther went into a situation that didn't look too good. Honestly, really difficult. But she trusted God, and by faith, she acted on that. She prepared a banquet. She invited him to that banquet, and God worked through Esther 
Will you be that person that God can use? Because you simply, you're not special, you just trust Him. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, thank you for this time. Lord, as I turn this service back over to Pastor, thank you for the opportunity to be with this dear church. It's a blessing to know that there are churches that love you and care about missions and going forward in this generation to reach this generation with the gospel. Lord, thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. Thank you for the relationship that we can have with you. We love you, but thank you for your love for us. We ask these things in your holy precious name. Amen, Pastor. Aren't you glad that uh, the Anderson family sought first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Then all these things will be added to you. You know what that means? He won't give you your greeds. He'll give you your needs. And there's a lot of needs that God's met in this family's life to flow through them to a lost and dying world. Uh, you know, we're not here just to be a reservoir of his blessings. We're to be a channel of his blessings. And that's why we have these faith promise um, conferences. A lot of churches are going to mission days. Thank God we're going to go all the way through Wednesday and not apologize for it. Amen? Because we need it. We need the preaching of the Word of God. And um, I thank God for this uh, verse in context. Seek first the kingdom of God's rights. Then all these things will be added unto you. What things? The things you need. God will provide. And that's what we're having faith promise missions revival for, is that realize that God will provide.